Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is the word of the Lord. I have a buddy who works, who, who used to work in the uh, educational uh, tech startup. And uh, he came here really pumped and excited to get involved in this because what he, his vision of the Silicon Valley was to change the world. And uh, it all went well until about a year or two into it, we had this really open conversation where he just opened up to me over a beer or something. He said, you know, I've actually come, become really disillusioned about the Silicon Valley. You know, when I thought that we were all coming here to change the world, what I've actually been, what's been happening to me is I've been sucked into a culture where I'm really living for myself. He said, I have all these degrees, these resources, talents, and I'm hoarding them. And I was like, what do you mean? Like, how, how do you see that? You work in an educational tech startup. Like, what? He said, well, I'm at this company, and, uh, and there's all these people who love their job, and what they're doing is they're constantly tweaking their resume, making it a little bit better so they can get that next big job. And he said, I have all these other friends who are excited. They love where they're at, but at the same time, they're, they're tweaking their resumes. They're trying to figure out where can I go. Because he's saying, you know, as much as we like to make a difference, he felt it actually feels like it can almost feel like we're still just trying to get ahead. And I was thinking about that, and I was just like, you know, I really admired his transparency, the way he opened up and just shared. But that's not new. Uh, that wasn't a surprising thought to me. I mean, I've, I've grown up here in the Bay Area. I've, I've been in the Silicon Valley for any a number of years. He's not the first person who shared thoughts like that. But there's this tension that, we, that a lot of us live with, is there not? That we want to make a difference with our lives. It's wired into us. It's wired into our culture. But there are forces, really strong forces, going against that. And so I want to ask the question, how can we invest in things that last? And I really think that as we do this, on this day where we're starting this church, this is a good question to ask individually. Uh, you know, if, if practically speaking, uh, that would be helpful for us to consider making a lasting impact, something that we care about. But as we're starting this church, how can we do, how can we invest together to make an impact for uh, our community and, and, and the greater work around us? And so I think the best place to look for that, of course, is Jesus. Jesus uh, he had very little, but he was able to do so much. Uh, he started with essentially, he, ha he had basically no money to his name. Uh, he was walking around three years homeless, for what we know, and yet he was able to change the world. Actually, his gospel is that he changed eternity. And so what does it look like to make a lasting difference? As we, day one, this church startup, how do we invest ourselves so that we can make a difference, uh, so that we can make a change, a positive influence in this community? How I want to look at this passage is, is investing in things that last. What is it? How can we do it? And, and why is it we can do that? So let's, let's pray, and then we're going we're gonna to open this, uh, get into this. Father, it's amazing to pause and reflect for a moment uh, that a year ago there were about 10 of us sitting around a living room feeling called to start this church. 
praying, dreaming about what you might do. And here we are on launch day. Here we are, a new church birthed. Thank you for all that you've done, uh, how you've grown this team, and thank you for all that you're getting ready to do through those of us in this room and others who are yet to join us. We commit this church to you this day, every day going forward. Please build this church on the rock of Christ and help us invest ourselves well to love you, love one another, and love the world all for your glory. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in investing in things that last, what does this look like? According to Jesus, he says, again, it will be like a man going away on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. So everything hinges upon this little pronoun there in the first, sen- in the first verse there, it. It will be like the, the man going away on the journey. What is that? Well, Jesus is telling a series of stories about the kingdom of God. We know that looking at a few verses before. He's talking about the kingdom of God. You want to invest in things that last, Jesus says, invest in God's kingdom. Well, what does that look like? Does that mean we're investing in things so that uh, people will go to church? So that we'll pray, read our Bibles? Uh, so that we'll be morally upright? Uh, these are all good things, but don't get at the core of it all. Because Jesus said, uh, he, when he was asked very pointedly, at least two times when he, was, when he was walking around doing his ministry, what is this all about? What's the agenda? How they phrase the question. What is the greatest commandment? He said this, and this is a paraphrase, love God and love others. Paul, writing to one of the first churches, uh, said it this way. You want to know how the Bible and all its instructions are, can be summed up? It's in this one thought. Quoting Jesus, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. Living for God, uh, for, for God's kingdom, investing ourselves for things that last according to Jesus is simply this, loving others. Which incidentally helps us understand why Jesus was so harsh with that last servant. You remember, did you hear it read when, when Cindy was reading that the master really tore into that last dude, did he not? I wonder if that rubbed you the wrong way. So the first two servants, they got five and two talents of money, which by the way was a lot. We'll talk about that later. They went and they invested it. They doubled their talents. They came to the master when he returned and said, look, here's what we've, we've done. And there was celebration. There was excitement. And then the third servant, it didn't go so well, did it? And he went off. He dug that, uh, a little hole. He buried the talent and he sat on it. And then after a period of time, the master came back and Jesus said this. This is what the master said. You wicked, lazy servant. A couple of verses later, throw that worthless servant into the darkness. Did that rub you the wrong way? It made me uncomfortable when I first read it. But actually, when we think about what it is Jesus is actually talking about, larger context, it actually is quite beautiful. Well, how's that? Jesus is revealing to us a bit of God's character. Uh, Just like uh, us, God gets upset about things. Actually, more we like him, right, in that, that little comparison. And by the way, when we get angry about things, there's generally not for a good reason. There's bad things involved. With God, it's always righteous anger. And what Jesus is saying is, you know what really gets him upset, what will really get him going? It's this, living life at the subconscious or, unconscious, uh, or, or the conscious levels, not living for others, not loving others, sitting on what we have, what we can invest towards others. 
And I don't know about you, but as much of a sober warning as that is, as a challenging thought it is, that that is, it's a God I want to follow. Where if he gets angry about things, he gets angry about things that, that, that pertain to us not loving others, living for others. God cares deeply that we love others and that we orient our lives towards investing in this. And orienting our lives, verse 15 says he gave, he gave talents according to our abilities. That could be summarized, as, as some scholars say, as time, treasure, talent, all of who we are and what we have at our disposal to invest that towards loving others. So here at Current, uh, to get practical about it, we're trying our best to create a community where you, th- that we can love one another, where you can come and feel welcome. If you are here and you don't identify as a Christian, you are so welcome here. We hope that you would feel a warm embrace. Someone put their arm around you and bring you, figuratively speaking, and not that creepy stuff, and just say, come, be a part of this. Because after all, Jesus spent a ton of time with folks who didn't necessarily identify as his followers. Did you know that about Jesus' life? And he, he would, along the way, encourage and exhort them to become his followers, to place their faith in him, which, by the way, is our hope and prayer for you. But there was never this posturing of saying, hey, you gotta, you got to meet this standard. you got to, no, just come and be with me. Be about my things. And if you do identify as a Christian, you are obviously, you are welcome here. We want to create a culture here that is a come as you are. I like to say it this way, where you don't have to feel like you have to put on the Sunday face, you know? That where you can bring your struggles, physical, emotional, spiritual, doubts, whatever those might be, and be loved. Work those through together. By the way, even as we ourselves are working through struggles and challenges, uh, there was this article that was going around social media this week called Post-recession Americans don't need money to find happiness. And in it, the author wrote about community. She said, happiness, some of us have come to realize, is realistically less likely to be earned by the individual and more likely to stem from community. This isn't a hippie dream. It's not resistant to the ways that technology has changed our lives, but mindful about how it affects our time, energy, and presence. It's not anti-globalization, but pro-local connections that create lasting wealth and safety. The new happiness is interdependent, intelligent, flexible, nurturing, holistic, humble, and relational. This is not a Christian article, but it is providing commentary onto something Jesus said isn't new at all, but it's something we've been built for, and that is community, that we love one another. But it must go a step further. We cannot just be a community that loves one another. We must love our neighbor. We must be a community on mission to love those outside. Uh, if there's a value that we have along the way, and we just want to put a stake in the ground, to be this and remain this is to be outward focused. So, for instance, for folks who are checking in, maybe this is your first day you're checking this out. Got a flyer or someone invited you. Uh, we would love that for you to stick around and have tacos. If not just for the taco's sake, for hanging out and getting to know people in this room. One of the feedback we've been getting from, from the pub trivia events, the, the community block parties, is this is a warm, welcoming, fun group. Now, I don't say that to pat ourselves on the back. I say that because if that is true, we cannot hoard it. There always has to be a place for someone new to enter. And we want to be that. And by the way, not just when people come, we want to go and be and help people into it. Outward focus, but we also want to serve the tangible needs of this community. 
uh, you know, this is a church startup. We have humble beginnings in this, but we have a, had a team and we've just been trying along the way, even as we put together a Sunday service and all that, we want to be invested in the community. A couple of ways we've been doing this, for instance, we've partnered with this organization called Freedom House. Some of you may be familiar with this. It's, a, it's an organization in the Bay Area that helps combat human trafficking. They have a, a, they have a house up, well, I can't share what it is. Uh, they have a safe house, um, for reasons that you, you understand, um, that's secure so that uh, these women can be uh, poured into uh, holistically, get, get, back, get on their feet, spiritual nourishment. They have a, a, a house for minors. We've just been having opportunities to partner with them. What a wonderful opportunity. There's a day worker center just down the street for folks who have a harder time in this environment, in this culture, to get a job in the Silicon Valley. And so we've been sending a team down there a few times to try to figure out what can we do. You know, helping build job resumes, giving those skills, improving English, whatever it might be. We've had an ongoing ministry to the homeless around us. Uh, we've done a beautification project for schools. Here's the way I think of it. Right now, with, with limited resources, we're shooting bullets, okay? We're trying to figure out what sticks, what makes sense, where might a leader rise to the surface, someone who has a real heart and passion for any number of these things, so that in shooting all these bullets, we find something really effective, really exciting, we can then bring in the cannonballs and have artillery impact. Uh, if there's anything we want to be as a community, we've said it this way, we, be, we long to be the place where if we were to suddenly disappear one day, our neighbors, the surrounding area would say, man, we're going to really miss that church. Uh, God wants us to invest in living for others, orienting our lives around that as best we can. That's what it looks like. Well, how can we do that? Uh, Jesus gets really practical here. He talks about, uh, you know, in this story, giving one of uh, these servants five talents, another two talents, another, another one, each according to their ability, and then they went off, and they used these talents of money. Now, we need to ask the question, what are talents for us? Like, in our own experience, what is a talent? And, uh, you know, for, for Jesus in the story, it was money. It was a, a measurement, a weight of money. And by the way, it was a huge, huge sum. We don't know if Jesus was referring to amounts of gold or silver, but however you slice it, biblical experts today say in, in, in terms of today's world, even the guy with one talent would be like a mil multimillionaire. Jesus is saying he's entrusted us with a lot to love others. But what is a talent? Because it's not money. At the end of the day, Jesus could not be saying there's no other place in Scripture that makes us believe that God gives us money in the beginning of our life, and at the end of life, he expects us to make more money. Here you go, God. Money. Neither can a talent be our natural ability. Because verse 15 says, he gave these talents according to their ability. So what then is a talent in our own experience? Here's a way of thinking of it. Having certain abilities and resources, what do we then look for? You know, recognizing that we have a particular gift, what do we then seek? Do we not seek opportunities to use them? And do we not, as we grow old, uh, excuse me, uh, grow, um, feel our abilities uh, developing and our, our resources expanding, do we not look for opportunities to then invest them? Uh, Jesus is talking about here God-given opportunities and how we are to invest for him, how we are to invest for the sake of loving others, making a lasting impact, is to maximize the God-given opportunities that we'll have to love others. Now, we need to look no further for the perfect example than Jesus himself. 
little teaser alert. Next week, we're going to be starting a new message series in the book of Mark. We're going to be focusing on Jesus' life and his ministry. But I'll tell you what, Jesus always, always allowed interruptions into his life to focus his infinite love and attention on whoever came, whoever came to him seeking his care or love. Did Jesus have a plan? Was he out? Did he, did, did, was he going to go there? Did he have these thoughts to share with those people? Absolutely. But it never stopped him from allowing an interruption to have, seeing a God-given opportunity when, say, the woman who has been sick for years and years came up to him and he's stopping everything, even in the middle of the crowd, saying, I'm going to focus on you. Or talking with the man whose child lay home sick and dying. And it's in this way, both at the micro level and at the, at the macro level, that Jesus had a huge impact in lasting difference. What does this look like for us to make the most of our God-given opportunities? I think we've got to think about it, first of all, on the individual level. Uh, what are the opportunities God has given us to, to love on others? Who has he placed in our lives? The neighbors across the hall, the neighbors across the street, the people we're working right next to, Monday through Friday. How are they feeling? Are they doing well? Are they lonely? Are they hurting? And if so, how can we love them there? Jesus gets very practical. He says, love your neighbor as you love yourself. So when I'm lonely, what would help me feel loved? That may be a text, seeing how I'm doing. Maybe an offer to take me out to coffee, to be a bouncing board. God-giving opportunities to love others come in, in a myriad of ways. When Cindy and I lived in China, in Shanghai, Cindy was, was uh, starting up the e-commerce for Gap uh, retail, which is pretty cool. I mean, she's super humble. She'd never tell you this on her own right. But Gap.cn is Cindy, um, which is cool to have her as our executive director, by the way. Um, but she, the, she was working these really crazy hours. I mean, startup hours, the kind where she was coming back, sun was already down, and she's still on her Blackberry the whole time. Anybody been there? And just, you know, that was her life, deadline after deadline. And in the middle of that, one day during, during a work day, she got a text from somebody who was on another team asking to meet her in a conference room. So she went in this conference room and found this gal sobbing. And she said, what's going on? It, it turns out that this gal, her husband left her for another woman. And she was trying to figure out what she was going to do. And, by the way, how she was going to tell her daughter at home let alone figure out how she was going to raise this little girl. And Cindy was telling me, she was like, I, I, didn't, I was just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to say. I mean, Cindy's Chinese is good, but she didn't have the vocabulary for, for, for these words, faithful, unfaithful. She was just, I didn't, all I could do was offer to pray, to which she, she said, yeah, yeah, let's pray. Could Cindy have easily ignored that text? Yes. Could she have easily gone into that conference and said, they're there, it's going to all be better, and then gone back to her deadlines? Yes, but she didn't do any of those things. She began to follow up with this gal, text, see how she's doing, met up with her regularly, connected her to other mothers, connected her to a church community group, got our families together. And I'm just so proud of Cindy because you, no one looking in from the outside would have, would, have, would have thought that Cindy was dealing with all these crazy deadlines, launching up a company. Fun part of the story is actually this friend of ours uh, ended up putting her faith in, in Jesus. Uh, but what does God-given opportunities look like? How can we maximize them? You know, we got to think about it on the individual level. Even in that story, though, it moves into helping us think through about at the community level. 
Cindy connected her to a group, and that was huge to help her. There is, this is what gets me so excited about today. We're, we're trying our best to figure out how to invest this church, our lives, to make a lasting difference. And it's going to be super fun to do it together. Dream, figure it out, learn from mistakes, all that sort of thing. Celebrate the wins. But what's really exciting is as fun as that is, it also increases our return on investment, if you will. Because we can have an impact as individuals. We can have impact as, as families. But to think about doing it as a church family, putting our minds together, uh, that just gets me excited. I love how the Bible talks about the church as a body. The, 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 the Bible talks about the church as, is like we're a body of many members. We have, hand, you know, there's hands, there's, there's feet, there's legs, there's a nose that goes into all of this. Who's the nose? Like, what, this all comes together. And so we got to figure out, like, as we're coming together, how to live and invest for things that, that are going to last. If there's an invitation I have for you today, there's been a team behind the scenes putting this together to make today possible, to make going forward possible. We want to invite you to, be, to help co-found this church. We want to give you an invitation to be co-founders here. I love how Chris said it earlier. You look around this room, we're all new. We all get to pour into making a difference and loving others, serving our community. How are you wired? How are you gifted? Do you have a passion for kids? We have a couple rooms over there filled with kids who are learning about Jesus, who are learning about loving others, and they're having a blast. I love it. You know, during our previous service, during our meetings, our kids in between are saying, hey, mommy, daddy, when is church? When can we go back? My little two-year-old did that on a Tuesday, and I'm like, how do I explain to my little two-year-old that church isn't for another, you know, however many days? Like, that's eternity to her. But we want to keep that. Do you, has God gifted you, given you a passion for helping kids in that, in that way? And by the way, if I think about in terms of making a lasting impact, you got to think investing in the next generation is, is, a, is a huge part of that. Are you wired? Do you have a passion for uh, connecting others to each other? Or maybe you have the means to do that. You know, a place, you know, in the Silicon Valley where places, you know, reason, you know where we live, facilities don't just grow on trees as much. Do you have a place that you can open up? We're going to restart community groups where we just want to live life together. This would be a place where we can pour into each other, encourage each other, be there when life is harder. Or has God given you a passion to serve this community? You have a, you have a real gift or way of thinking about we, how we can love our neighbors. We'd love to talk to you, dream together, and begin to move together in this. I mean, I just think, what culture has the understanding of, you know, we get how exciting it is to be a startup. I mean, how many of us have friends who've been on certain companies and they look back and like, man, we got to be that number employee? That's what we're talking about here. How cool will it be one day to look back and say, man, God, thank you for letting us be a part of that. And not just a product, by the way, but touching people's lives, loving them, investing in our community. That's what investing in, in things that last looks like. That's how we can do it. And then finally, why can we invest? Well, just real simply, because Jesus invested in us. What I love about Jesus is he never says things in a vacuum. He never says, hey, do this because I said so. 
He's saying, invest your lives in God's kingdom, which means loving others. Do this because it's what I've done for you. You know, hello, it's what I'm doing for you, the original hearers. This is the gospel of Jesus. This is the good news, that the Son of God left all that he had in heaven, all power, everything we could dream of, fame, resources, and gave it up for the sake of living among us, being born into a manger, walking around with us. Why? To invest in us, to teach us, to care for us, to love us, to put up with us, to, to model all of this for us. And what was his biggest investment, of course, was he giving his life for us. Dying on the cross for our sins, that we can receive life in his name and take that unconditional life and love and offer it to others. That's what all of this is about. You know, there's this scene where the, the, the two servants who have been faithful are bringing their doubled resources back to the master. And they say, look what we've done. We've doubled it. And the master is saying, this is so exciting. Look, you've been faithful with a few things. I'm going to give you a lot, which is just mind-boggling because we just said even one talent is crazy. So to think about the rewards in that sense is just in, insane. But Jesus' bigger point was the last thing he said to both of these servants if you saw it, he said, come and share your master's happiness. What Jesus is after more than anything else is us, our hearts. He wants a relationship. He doesn't need us to double our talents. Well, David, hold on. Does that mean everything you just said is like negated? What is the sermon about? Like, no, it gives us perspective. The other day, my son brought home a project he had been working at school, at this little daycare about. He's a four-year-old guy. And he said, Daddy, Daddy, he came in the door, which is, you know, got my heart beating really fast. He had a huge smile. He says, Daddy, Daddy, look what I've, I've got for you. And it was a sheet of paper, this project is colored nicely, and in, in big, bold writing on the top, and his favorite color, green, it said, I heart Daddy. I'm not sure he knows how to spell love. So heart, you know, that's the way to do that. And I'm just sitting here like, this is so cool. Now, look, uh, I have to look, make sure the kids aren't released. Could I have done a better project? Yes, I could have done a better project than my four-year-old son. I could have written that word better, you know. But that, of course, is not the point. The point was the love that my son was expressing to me and getting to share that with me. How much more precious and beautiful do we get to love God and experience him in relationship than to experience his unconditional love and make it known to others. That's what we're talking about here. Loving him, loving one another, and loving the world, loving our neighbors around us. I can't think of anything more exciting to invest towards. And to think about we get to do it together, it's like, with this family, count me in. Wherever you're at today, on your spiritual journey, we would love to include you in this, to co-found Current. Talk to us, uh, hang out for tacos, find me, say hi. But this is going to be a fun ride. We hope that you join us. Let's pray. Father, again, thank you for today. Because this day ultimately is about you. You know, in your word, it says, we love because you first loved us and you gave your son to die for us. We love you for that. Would you help us invest towards loving others with that same sort of selfish love? That we'd love one another and we'd love those around us. 
in the greater Silicon Valley area in which we live. We long to look back on this day and say, thank you, Lord, for all that you've done. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.